Good morning, this is Aisha Elliott with Black Girl from Eugene, um, broadcasting from KEPW.org uh, as well. And for my podcast, where all podcasts and all platforms can be heard, you can catch Black Girl from Eugene. So I am coming in a little bit after 11 o'clock because um, I am feeling so uh, unmotivated. <laughs> Um, not unmotivated for my podcast and for my show, but f- to continually talk um, about this energy that we are all like thrown into. It's almost like I just want to stop talking about what we all need to be talking about. And I know it's terrible to say, I know it's terrible to say, but this show. We're talking about unpopular vulnerability. <laughs> so I'm going to start off with that. Um, first things first, I did have a guest today, um, and uh, they were unable to make the show. I got a text like 3 o'clock this morning that they had an issue with their puppy, and I hope puppy is doing well, but they weren't able to come on the show today. So I'm on, I'm going to, you got me. You got me at 100%. So here I am to talk to you. Um, hello everybody who's joining in and um, so I'm gonna be talking about like I said unpopular vulnerability and I would love to have a more interactive conversation with people who are on my live with me and I think I have it where I can invite people on I think so but um, so there's that possibility too however today is January 17th and I want to give a super 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 shout out to my niece Anna um, Richardson, who is probably one of the just most beautiful people uh, soul-wise that you'll ever meet, and beautiful people outside that you'll ever meet, beautiful person, you know, spiritually that you'll ever meet. She just is like, has always been from the day, from day one, just an absolutely amazing little person. And now she's a big person. She's 25 years old today. She's the president of my nonprofit, Kids for the Culture, which was also known as Black Gold Culture Camp before. Um, she is a natural leader. She's kind, compassionate, and she's just on top of her game at all times. And um, I think that having the episode being unpopular vulnerability on her birthday is super hilarious. And she knows why, and I know why, so I'm going to leave it at that. But um, anyway, I just want to give big love to you, Anna. I love you so much. I always have. I'm always in your corner. And I wish you the very best 25 years down, you know, 75 more years. (laughs) Let's go. (laughs) Anyway, okay. So um, good morning, Cassie. I am just talking about, uh, like I said, unpopular vulnerability. And I I wanted to say I came on the show a little late today because... um, because this everything that's going on in the United States of America right now is exhausting for anybody pro anybody con anybody in the middle it's just incredibly incredibly uh, difficult time to be living but at the same time What an incredible time to be living, right? We're witnessing some really, really 
historically shifting, uh, personally transformative, uh, every single day that we are in the middle of it. And I think all of us obviously uh, compute, we take this in, we, we jive it, we work with it, we handle it, we move it all in different ways. And so I think that it's super important that we, as we're moving forward throughout the day, as we're moving forward throughout the week, just kind of realize that we cannot control what other people are doing and thinking and feeling. Um, but we are in control and can control how we react and respond to it. Um, I was reading through my Instagram and I was looking at uh, Rachel, um, uh, her this Rachel Cargill at her um, her Instagram, and I was reading her post and I was realizing what she had been saying in the last few weeks was just like, "I'm not the answer for all things race related." <laughs> She's like, I'm not the answer for everything you need to know. And I was, um, it resonated with me in a way that it's like in this time for people of color, for black women, for black men, for indigenous men and women, that how much we are all being, um, how we're all going through this transition of awareness for white people and then at the same time having to the those of us who have are in positions of um i don't i mean i could say leadership but it's more of capability of explanation capability of hearing and listening um capability of of taking transformation and throwing it back in shapes of healing um these these people we it's like we are having this space of it's so it's unpopular because it's like okay i'm working with white folks who i have always lived around have always worked with for years and years and years and years this is not like something that um is brand new to any of us right um and it, but what is brand new is the level of um it's that balancing of my own moment-to-moment -moment transformation of relationships with people who I'm starting to understand or really starting to unpack uh, where my own kind of self-beliefs or really the things that I would bypass to get through my day are very much in my face at the moment. And that's with people who I care about. It's with white people who I love very much. It's like with people who are with me every day that I, as a black woman, can just no longer do. Like I can just no longer do it. With other black people who, who will refuse to be vulnerable or to refuse to be, um, you know, just like honest with themselves about their own white conditioning. I am in a place personally that is unpopular because I am feeling quite vulnerable with my own deconditioning of white supremacy in this moment. And I'm wondering, we have to protect ourselves. There's like this protection that we need to do. Absolutely. And I like, you know, I'm all about boundaries and I'm all about um, understanding and, and 
being empathetic and, com- and compassionate towards other people's experience and 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 or at this time looking at the situation being like we could have said and we could have told we could have you could have been here you know i guess it's a a, a moment of ego where you're thinking wow now that we're all talking about similar um the similar character in the story now we're all talking about the same thing then we can have like this real conversation but then it's like at the same time we're looking at people of color to go i say we talking about white folks looking at people of color to go okay wait 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 now i get it now i get it can we back it up it's it's the same and of course we do of course we do because we actually have this idea of a human of humanity going forward um without the need of for oppression without the need of the you know tyranny and and all of that it's not necessary right so we're going to take our time and we're going to talk and we're going to listen and we're going to process but what we're not is responsible for that act for the act of the work and the transformation that has to happen within um, the white community and we're not responsible for that and at the same time with boundaries being in place we also have to be responsible for our own self-care which means sometimes we have to just walk away and I talk to people who are um, who are biracial quite a bit about that idea of like can you walk away um, and when it's family and when it's close ties and when it's your neighbor and when it's surrounding you and you don't have the comfort of black community to uplift you and say, I know you're tired, keep on going, sister. Like, we don't have that here. So it's really, like, hard to, for me to look at people and look at white folks, look at white men, look at white women, look at white friends and be like, can we hold, our, hold each other's hands and see each other right now? It's unpopular vulnerability is that it's hard for me to do. And I don't, I'm not alone in this. I'm not alone. Um, it's hard for me to listen to people who are, you know, and I'm air quoting woke, and I'm listening to the position that they're talking to, and I'm looking at them and I'm going, they have not internalized their own relationship to racism. They don't know. They're not, they are not, they are refusing to look at the fact that they are coming from a racist perspective, even if it has the right words attached to it. You know? Good morning, Naima. Um, so it's kind of like that right now. And that's what I mean by unpopular vulnerability, where I'm going to talk about the idea that I love all these folks around me. Like, I love people who I love. Uh, I mean, I have a lot of friends that are white that I find very dear, hold dear to my heart, and that I have, I have given slights, that I give slights to on a regular basis right? Um, that I just go, oh, it's okay. I mean, you know, I know you know. You know, it's always, eh, I know you know, right? Um, but it's really, like, hard at this point and, and to just to continue to be like, yeah, I know you know. It doesn't mean I don't want people in my life, because that's not true. But the truth is, is that I'm finding that the close relationships are definitely defined differently right now. The relationships that I will have in the future are defined very differently right now. And I also know I'm a difficult person. Like, I also know (laughs) that I have high standards for myself, which means it spills out onto other people. I also know that I'm super petty and judgy um, to myself and to others, you know. (laughs) And But I also know that I'm loyal and compassionate, and I also know that I can 
uh, have a high level of of this kind of um, uh, discernment, right? Which means that you know, for my own world, it's I. It's like if you've gotten into the level that I'm calling you my friend, we've we've gone through some real trust bonding, <laughs> you know, and that comes from a lot of different angles. And so I'm thinking a lot of different reasons. And I'm thinking like as I, put, I try to put this on to other folks and ask you all, you know, as we're looking forward to this and as we're looking forward to, you know, 2021 in this new world that we're going to create, this new society that we're, that we're fighting for, right? Because that's what's happening. They're fighting for their side. We're fighting for our side. You know, this is the civil war amongst, you know, the modern, the modern style civil war without calling it such as such, um, and I'm just, I just don't want to go past our personal relationships to what is being expected of all of us without having the words or the, even the proximity to look at each other and go, ah, not that I don't love you, you know, not that I don't want you here, but can we talk about how this is changing, how we relate to each other? Like, how is this, can I hear you and can you hear me? And can we not be enemies but disagree? And if I do disagree and I'm uncomfortable, can we honor that and just know that if I walk away, it's not because I hate you, but because it's because of self-preservation and I have to solidify my new position in life as I walk through this world? I mean, that's for us, that's for everyone that we're talking about, right? It's for black people, it's for indigenous people, it's for it's for people of color, it's for Indian people, it's for, you know, Asian people, Malaysian people, it's for white people. Like the, the vulnerability that I think um, requires us to just go, you know what, I'm not who you think I am and I'm not who I was, you know, seven months ago and neither are you. Can we renegotiate what I think I can deal with and what I think you can do and how we're going to compete or how we're going to, to see each other in this moment, I think it's important. Um, I think it's super scary because we don't want to lose people. Like we're, but at the same time, in the last year, I've, I have people that I had in my corner a year ago that I don't even associate with anymore. Not because of hatred, not because of, of um, any ill intent. It's just because it doesn't fit anymore. It just doesn't fit, and I think if it, I think that that's not. I think that that's healthy, and I think that um, I think that if we see each other, meaning that not just me and other people, but each other, like all of us as a group, if we see each other, and it feels different, let's say so. Let's do it. Let's talk. Let's go. Ah, man, you know I. I, it doesn't hit me the same as it used to. I don't actually want to do this. And it's not about, it may be about them, it may be about them, but at the same time, it may not have anything to do with anybody else but the fact that you have taken in these changes in our universe, these changes in our world, and we now have to, we now have to proceed differently. On a spiritual level, like I feel like there's something about the way that this is happening that if we continue to pretend, if we continue to act, if we continue to just do what we used to do, even if that is something about ourselves, and I think we just need to honor what's happened. I think we need to honor the transformation. 
I think we need to know that it's it's going to get deeper and it's going to get harder. And I think as a person who I feel like um, <laughs> I feel like I have friends and I have people around me um, that either reflect my my truth. And the truth of it, it is, it's like you're not. You shouldn't really have everyone who agrees with you all the time. With you. I mean, that's not a good look. But you definitely have to have people who respect your 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 space and respect what you've gone through and respect the changes that you are um, that you have um, that you have endured over the, these last couple of years and what we're going to go for the next year, 2020 and 2021. It's the same, same but different. Okay, <laughs> same, same but different. It's going. We're. It's not going to get easier before. It's, it's going to get harder before it gets easier. And it hasn't gotten hard enough yet because we still have the behavior that doesn't that that doesn't allow compassion. Right. It doesn't allow a moment to speak your mind and be allowed to do what you do over there without infringing like uh, infringing on other people's um, uh, right to live and to breathe and to be who we are. Right. We still got some real elementary problems going on. Um, so anyway, I this like I said, I was gonna have a guest on. My guest couldn't make it. I'm sorry. I hope you're feeling. I hope puppy's feeling better soon. Um, and I want anyone who wants to jump on, um, Serena, you're cracking me up. Honestly, I can't wait to be petty with me uh, because then I know we're getting closer. Isn't that funny? It's true. <laughs> It's so true because once you hear my insecurities and once you hear anyone's insecurities, once you hear um, pettiness and judginess, that's that's like I, I never I never um, would never not help somebody because I'm being petty. But um, I definitely love the petty um, and I appreciate the petty and sarcasm. But anyway, um, so I, I uh, yeah, that is a sign of vulnerability because now we can talk on a real level about what I really feel about, right? And I think that, that it takes time. But what, I'm, what my main point is, is that are we recognizing, even in our enemies, like when we look at the other side of, the, of whatever, and are we really looking at it in context of what we believe they should be in, to us or what, they, what we believe they're trying to say about them? And I think it's super important because even if it's as gross and ugly as white supremacy is, the truth of it is, is that we live in a white supremacist society and what they're saying and doing is makes sense for what and what they've learned, what they know and what what their lived experience has been. At the same time, we also know if you never look up outside yourself to look at what what's going on around you, it would be easy to be fooled. Right. If you can't stand for something, you're going to fall for anything. So there's, a, there's all these different layers, but that truth about all those different layers is that can we understand contextually that that is what's happening? There's levels of BS that's going on that all of us are trying to wade through. I am not excusing anything. Y'all know how I feel. I have no space and time for ignorance. I am just asking in an in a unpopular, vulnerably way is that can we like, think about it for a second like can we critically think i have my race conversations and that's like the number one thing i ask all my clients is how about we step back and critically think about the lines of how this went down how is our personal relationship to to racism the people i work with are not all white right i work with people of color all the time i work with black people i work with indigenous people we all work together white supremacy affects us all you know ignorance affects us all (laughs) Um, uh, you know 
like discrimination, hatred, all of it. it affects everyone. It's not just the not just white folks who who have this this thing, right? But at the same time, I when I think about the whole community as when I think about the community as a whole, I just have an issue with um, I just have an issue with the time that black folks are given to that black folks are given to what's the word I'm looking for? Like to digest and to, to be able to keep up with this really heavy transitioning time in our position in this country. Um, we've been doing this work a lot longer than white, the, the masses of white folks have been talking about it. And I'm just saying, can we give some recognition to how many times that we've had to throw, had to pass this baton in this relay race, how many times that people of color, BIPOC folks, have, have racked around this track before white folks woke up and said, oh, hey, what y'all running about? You know what I mean? Like, and I'm talking about the masses. I mean, as many, I want to say as many times as I've heard white supremacy and terrorism group on the, on the TV, I'm like so excited about, yay, they're naming it right. Yes, they're naming it. We've heard it. They're calling them terrorists. They're blocking them from the airplanes. They're, say, they're blocking them from Twitter. Block and I'm going, yes, finally. And then I'm going, uh, mm. <laughs> Do they know that even though these is an ex this is an extremist group and it is an extremist group and like absolutely an extremist group, do they know that they still, it's not about those white people. It's still like we, we all, like you all, we all have to have a conversation about our relationship and comfortability to racism thus far. We can't just go, oh yeah, I know now. I'm never gonna do it again, that was horrible. Huh, it's not me, it's them. We have got to like slow it down so we can do it right. And I am just, I am just um, weary <laughs> of people talking to each other to be right. I guess that is what it's like it's be wrong be unsure be scared be like I don't know what to say in these situations say it I don't know what to say I know I'm going to say something that sounds hella stupid but I gotta say because I want to be corrected let's not we cannot pursue perfection in this idea this this vulnerability has to be respected right Black folks are tired of, of giving that compassion. Um, we are tired of it. But at the same time, you are getting it. White folks are getting it all the time. But what I need white folks to do for my, my, like my own selfish reasons is that I really don't want to hear any more white folks talking about, yeah, them. No, it's you too. And not in a bad way. But this is the only way that we're going to understand how racism shows up every single day, regardless of the extremists that we are all, that are, are trying to freak us all out, right? Those extremists come from a, a, much, a much more subtle situation on, over here, right? The left has an issue that feeds the right. It's, it's, it's unpopular. It's the truth, though. And I'm just saying, that if we can be honest with what you don't know 
And even when you are like 100% running towards it and you're like, I know morally this is not right. Of course, and good, and thank you, and woo, yay, right? But at the same time, like, can you stop yourself and know that you really don't know? And that you might be by not saying that I'm not really sure, but I'm here to do the work. I'm not really sure, but I'm here to be support. Tell me what I need to do. I'm not doing anything other than that. I'm learning to be an ally. If I, you know, the thing is that this conversation that I'm having is not to have with other black, with black folks and indigenous people. This is a conversation to have with yourself, right? We're all tired. Every single one of us are exhausted. This is work to have with yourself and then bring it out. Bring out your vulnerability. Be there, show up, not even knowing. Show up, unperfect, with imperfections. Show up, right? Show up. Um, I don't know, I'm just like thinking about some stuff. I'm just thinking about it. Uh, the, like, I, like naming this episode Unpopular Vulnerability, it's because I, you know, I'm a black woman in a, in a, uh, I live in a city that is like, I don't even know, like 98% white or something like that. And I am, I grew up in Eugene. I grew up uh, till I was, you know, 15 here. And I have always been able to talk to white folks and understand white folks at a very high level, much better than they will ever understand or be able to talk to me. I get that. Um, I also had the privilege of moving out of the country. I had the privilege of living down south. I had the privilege of living in the, on the islands. And so in my thought process and in my growth, I'm actually multicultural, right? I actually think about multicultural idealism. Like that is my way of going through the world. I prefer it. Uh, but when I think about where, what bothers me, the vulnerability that I choose to show or not show, it really still is in context to white people. And that bothers me, right? So it's just, I just want to be real with people. I just want you to be real with you, like I'm being real with me. I'm being real with me because I'm saying to myself, what is it about this that you're doing that still doesn't feed you? Even though it's like my passion, right? People are my passion. I love people. And then at the same time, it's like that very same passion is what you're actually trying to work from, right? Or like that, that's, that's kind of looking at you, asking you to be bigger, asking you to be better, um, asking you to be, you know, to, to expand and to, to journey into worlds that you don't, that you're not necessarily comfortable with. And I don't think, um, you know, that I might be comfortable with the idea that I, that, you know, that I grew up around white folks and I grew up with an identity and, and an understanding that um, I would have to be defending myself, <coughs> excuse me, defending myself uh, for as long as I lived here. And then as I grew up, I realized that um, the only reason, defending myself for, for all, all kinds of reasons, defending myself here, defending myself there, defending myself. And then I realized what the truth around defending myself, there's no truth in it. The only reason I would be defending myself is because I'm trying to get to the likes of the other person. I'm trying to get closer to the understanding where they can hear me. That's not my problem. 
I'm 43 years old, and I realize there's people like my niece that that I, <laughs> that I gave shout out to. Today. She's you know 25 years old, and she would have told me this you know as we're in our car driving cross country that she figured that out, right? This is not about other people. This is not about what you believe that they need from you. And this is true. But when you grow up being that girl, the black girl from Eugene, that one girl, if you throw if you grow up being that one, you know, indigenous person who wants to still understand their language and nobody else does, or that one Latinx family who knows that their family is is immigrant, but they can pass as white, so they try to do that. All we're all like that's we're carrying stuff. The white community, and when they're not needing having privilege, not what are you carrying, right? So um, fear of the unknown. But this thing is is that, and that's what I think. That's what I believe that white folks carry is fear um, when it comes to like the masses. But I don't know because I don't live that experience. The, 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 what the white community has never needed or wanted for anything coming from in terms of, of self-preservation in this country. So I can't speak on that. I can just speak from my experience of that, of, of them needing to preserve whatever they believe I might be taking. That's my position as a person of color, as a black woman uh, in this country. And living in a place like Eugene, it's very intimate to have to battle that all the time, right? Um, and as you grow older, it just becomes where you start to go, what am I battling? What am I battling for you to like me or for me to be validated in your terms? That doesn't make any, that doesn't make any sense to my soul's growth, right? And so I think as white folks are realizing that racism exists <laughs> and that they might have something to do with it, even if it's systematic and institutionally and understanding how they tie to that, Thank you and welcome. Um, I also think that uh, right now bl there's a lot of people, black folks, indigenous folks, people of color, biracial, triracial, ethnically un uh, understanding that we are also deconditioning. We are also deconditioning our relationship to white supremacy. That's what I'm saying. Black folks, we are having conversations about it's a different conversation than the beauty in black. It's a different conversation in, in, than, than black nationalism. You know, it's a conversation of, dang, I've let, I've let this idealism or this idea of beauty or this idea of, of culture dictate who, how I measure up to it. We're realizing as well. We're opening up as well. We're talking to each other. But the thing about it is that like, I feel, I don't know, I feel like because our sense of spiritual connection is community and not individual, that we can see each other, but there's something when we don't, there's something in fear when we don't. And I think that's the very thing we're trying to de deconstruct. You know, I think it's the very thing we deconstruct of why we don't reach out and say, you know what, I'm having an issue with this. Can we have a seat? Can we drink some tea? Can I see you? Can I talk to you? I don't know. I'm working this out as I'm talking to y'all. So let me see what y'all are saying. Oh, Talisha. Hey, Talisha. Uh, I am having lots of conversations with black folks about, uh, ex oh, you're talking about ex uh, being an expat. I love it. 
Uh, this is real. We are tired of the struggle and we need white folks to step up. I just put myself on a 10-year plan. Either things shift here radically or I'm out. Sad and hopeful. Yeah. Oh, man. The, 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 the blacks it. The blacks it that's happening. That's real. That's real, 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 real. And I mean, you know, I think I've told you guys that I talk about it all the time. My parents live in Costa Rica and they've lived in Costa Rica for 30 years. That means that they were talking this, what we're talking about, then. And I need white folks to quite understand that. Then, when Rodney King got beat up, they were like, okay, look. Now, I know that wasn't the only reason, and I know that the conversation was happening way before Rodney King, but they left the country. And when I say they left the country, y'all, I'm not even playing. We got into our car, we packed up our stuff, and we drove down through Texas, into Brownsville, through Mexico, all the way through every single Central American country until we hit Costa Rica. <laughs> and when we got to Costa Rica, uh, it was a beautiful thing. Like, I believe in synchronicity. My parents pulled it off. I was only 15, so I don't know all the details. Um, I know I was being dragged, kicking and screaming because I didn't understand what it meant to live in a different country. I thought we were going to, to whatever white folks told me it meant, like chickens and, and no toilet and not, it was, you know, just weird, weird at the time, right? My thought process, being a child, being raised around, uh, being brought up in a white school system, although my parents did an amazing job uh, keeping the balance from the house. Your peers and your teachers and the, and the education system that you, that you are uh, indoctrinated in has a big, curriculum has a, has, a huge way to, has a huge way of influence how you see yourself. So anyway, we went down to Costa Rica 30 years ago, go back and forth on a regular basis. I'm about to go in, in next week, two weeks, something like that. Anyway, I'm saying all that because Blackset is real. Uh, leaving this country as an immigrant it's real like I don't like to say expat um, just because it, it gives like a some sort of uh, privilege to it when people coming into this country don't get that privilege and so I'm always like I'm an immigrant in a different country as well um, but uh, so if I I'm choosing and trying to decide which countries that are uh, are most suitable for anti-racism and what's hilarious as I look for these countries there is no country that's <laughs> <laughs> that's suitable for anti-racism uh, racism is everywhere and then we have to decide how like how bad the racism is and what I learned from all these groups that I'm on on Facebook like Blacksit groups that most um, most everyone even in the racism is still clear and evident I have not seen anybody in these Blacksit groups that are not like I feel like I can breathe after I've left the United States um, and it's thousands of people like this is not a small thing. So I am a 10 year plan is pretty gracious. And I, I appreciate that. man. <laughs> yes. Blacks it. Um, I actually have a plan for the fall of 2022 or winter of 2022. And I think about my work that I do because I do anti-racism conversations and I do facilitation. And if I'm leaving the country, can I do that? And the thing is, is I absolutely can do that in other countries. Matter of fact, the idea of having these conversations and having this realization of like our, our own personal relationship to racism, and that's global. Isn't that sad? But that's colonialism. And it's very real. People are struggling all around the world just to see black people as human beings, right? 
But what's different about the United States and, and other countries is that there's this level of violence and, and active oppression. Now remember, we had a Confederate flag at the Capitol last week. So you gotta understand that this visceral violence towards blackness, particularly, is very real in this country, where in other countries, yes, of course, there's this issue of racism and there's an issue of classism and sexism and all the isms, right? But the violence, the active violence and the active like foaming of the mouth of it just isn't as visceral other places as it is here. Now, if you're listening to this as a white person and you're going, really, you search for where it's not that, that bad, not that where it's not, that's the reality of being black. We search, what's the crime rate, the, the crime rate against black folks? What is the you know, racial diversity? What is that? It's, you have to, you have to. So anyway, I'm looking at places that people would never expect that I would look. <laughs> um, and I'm trying to decide um, if I would move to like Eastern, Eastern Europe and people are like, what? I know, it's crazy. But I, and at the same time, I don't want to go to Costa Rica because everybody and their grandma was going to Costa Rica. I'm not trying to go to Costa Rica and bump into somebody from Eugene. I would be pissed. So all I'm saying is, and I've already done that once. I didn't know that person, but that person was from Eugene. And I was like, okay, Costa Rica's over. Um, but I'm just saying, if I bumped into someone even that I knew down there, I would be so mad. When the 30 years that I lived in Costa Rica, there was like one McDonald in the whole country. Now you can get Popeyes, now you can, uh, you know, I mean, I'm trying to think of all the restaurants. Uh, they will deliver Pizza Hut to you. Like, I mean, you know, I, and, uh, no, thank you. I'm just saying. So anyway, I uh, encourage all of us to think bigger. I'm encouraging all of us to think about this experience for each other in, the, in other people's context, right? Um, it might bring some humanity to the crazy. Um, it's gonna be, I think when we start to do that, it's just really sad um, because I think we've all been, you know, this whole American dream has been cr like crap from the beginning, which I, I think most of us know. But at the same time, when we look at it and we look at it, the pain that it's caused people and that the level of hatred that we are at and really have been um it's just like like i said it's just super sad i think i don't know i don't mean to bring you guys down am i bringing you guys down i don't want to bring you guys down but i am trying to just be a little mindful of this period of transformation without it being like gung-ho let's get it back or gung-ho like, like how about we look at it and go what are we dealing with right now on a real personal level because when it all comes down to it, we are who we are, right? You are, wherever you go, there you are. So if you have not resolved your, who you are and how you relate to other people in this world, this transformation is not just the United States. This the whole world is going through this. So if we're gonna black it with our issues and we haven't even talked about our why we feel like we need to black it and we don't really know, it's not about like them, 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 but it's about like I need to open up and grow. I need to see myself who I, for who I really am, not in context to white supremacy, not in context to the, the narrative that, that has been given to me, but so that I can grow in, with peace and with, with expansion, right? Like that, I think even as we blacks it, we gotta know. People, oh, you're just running, you're running. No, we're not running. But we do need to understand why, because like I said, 
wherever you go, there you are. You're bringing all of it with you. And as far as I'm concerned, as a person who's lived at, in a different country for, and has, has related to different country um, most of my life, it's not even cool to try to go somewhere else and bring your ish with you, right? It's not cool to do that. So it's like we're going to show up, and we're going to show up what? Vulnerable. We're going to show up open. We're going to show up trying to believe what can I bring to you as I open up and, and to, to peace and abundance. Like how am I going to show up when I go to wherever I blacks it to, right? And I will be completely connected to the United States the whole time. We have children, we have family, we have, we have our work, we have our, you know, our whole lived experience. So it's just one of those things that I think, you know, to be real and grounded. That's the unpopular talk. That's the unpopular conversation. That's the where it's like, dang, am I bringing you down? I'm just bringing it real. I'm just bringing like, can we talk about it? I'm just like, I am always the one who will paint some shit rosy. I really will. <laughs> I'll be like silver lining the hell out of something. Um, to the point where I feel sometimes, if I look back into my life and I think about the horrible things that have happened, I go, and then all of a sudden they're just not that horrible anymore. I go, did I forget or did I forgive, right? And so then I have to really think, did I take it in and did I actually take in what happened to me? And what, did I actually like look at it and go, okay, this is why and this is what? And then I looked at myself and my participation in it and go, this is why and this is what. And then I can put it down. I feel like I do that quite a bit. I'm just offering that up to you. Okay, I'm going to read someone else's comment. Serena, I want to live in a small town with more than 50% black population. This thing, uh, but things go bad with planned communities. So how, so for now, can we all just buy houses in the Churchill area? Ha, you're funny. Okay, so... <laughs> <laughs> you know, was a really great black community that is um, that had that's beautiful. I mean, it's super beautiful. It's in Georgia. Um, oh my gosh! As soon as I said that, like the name of the town, Savannah, Savannah, Georgia, is absolutely one of the the, the highly recommended places for small town black folks, and uh, meaning that you don't want a giant like you don't want Atlanta, but, and it's progressive and, pe and people are like ahead of the game. Savannah, Georgia, um, it is down south, but we know Georgia clearly is doing things. Anyway, I'm just throwing that out there. That's not a black sit. Um, that's still within the United States, but it does put you into a stronger community of black people. I'm just saying it's out there. Everything we want is out there, but what do we bring to the game, right? What do we bring to the game? in this really tumultuous, uh, did I say that right? Uh, uh, time frame, it is hard, uh, it's hard for us to stop ourselves and, and try to respond instead of react. And all I'm saying is that why don't we, as, as the resilient people that we are, uh, try to be very, very real with ourselves and say, damn, I am not okay right now, or dang, I'm better than I thought I would be. Dang, I am uncomfortable with the relationships I've maintained all of my life. I'm uncomfortable with them now. I see myself differently. I see them differently. 
do I have to have enemies in order to, I mean, do I have to have enemies in order to, to, to get out of this? Do they have to be an enemy for me to back out? No, no, you don't, you can grow. You can outgrow and you can move on without making any of the past an enemy situation. It, your truth can change from day to day. So all I'm saying is that in our truth changing in 2021, if your truth hasn't changed in the last year, I really think you should be doing some self-talk. I really think that you should be doing some self-talk. I am not the one to bring the horse to the water or the one to make them drink it. This is a personal observation about my own lived experience and I'm suggesting to other people who might be in the same realm of energy and thought to suggest that perhaps we might come to, into 2021's inevitable force into a new society through 2022 and 23 that we show up in the most authentic way possible. That is what I'm saying. So um, anyway, I'm here to take lots of comments and I know my folks are here. You guys, I, I uh, super appreciate you. Um, there was something I, I keep, I, I'm like trying to think of it. I keep like, I feel like I'm forgetting it. So Tara says, life is change. Being real is accepting what changes with grace and honor. Being yourself, so glad to see you, this being talked about. You're very welcome. Um, I, I really do believe that, you know, um, in this moment, like I think uh, I, I speak for black folks, for my black folks that I grew up in, that I speak with and for and, and to and who honor me and who put me in my place and who I uh, can talk to and, and remind them of their place and we can grow each other's place with honor and respect. Like that's where I come from. Um, I have the, 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 just the blessing that my mother and my father are still together and still speaking to me in real terms. Uh, I get to have conversations with them every single week and they get to tell me, uh, you know, the real ins and outs of life and growing and, and seeing all change that they have seen throughout their whole lives. I mean, in their 80s and their late 70s. So it's uh, and being revolutionaries themselves, like being able to say what has happened and what has not happened, you know. Um, and I think I just I think that real, the reality of being like, we're trying to change the society, meaning that people of color are pushing for authenticity uh, um, from white people and because the structure in the city, in this, I mean, I'm sorry, the structure and the system is made to benefit white people. It's like this, the progress is due to, to the lack of authenticity and realness in the community in which is oppressing everyone and themselves. I am totally, totally open for uh, self-evaluation. I do it to myself all the time and I'm inviting everyone else to do it too so that we can kind of look at what our relationship is to allowing that. And it doesn't mean that I'm saying fight, 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 or it doesn't mean to say that we're not right because we do. What it, all I'm saying is can we get authentic with it? Because that's how this will be, that's how the conversation will stop. Like, meaning that, like, the conversation of the bullshit that continues to have, we can stop it with, we're not going there with the whole, with the whole, you know, 
not talking about our own relationship to it. We got to get personal. We got to be like, where when you're not at work, what are you doing to proper to to uh, to uplift the Black Lives Matter sign that you've got in your yard? Like, what are you doing at home that makes that real for you, right? Like, why are we allowing this this societal uh, this this political um, push of Black Lives? What are we doing on an everyday basis? You don't have to know Black people to do it. Nope. It's just caring for other human beings, right? You just gotta be curious. So I, that, that's all, and, I, and, and at the same time as I say that, it's not about perfection, it's not even about knowing, it's just about curiosity and, and human beings. You know, um, Blacksit is real because we've been doing this for so long. Maybe, maybe we can have a, a place where I can still, like where we can still do our work and where we can still survive and then we don't go outside, we don't have to look over our shoulders on a constant basis. Maybe if I can live, you know, somewhere that uh, is, is uh, the population is multicultural, the population is not weirded out by diversity, the population, is, it, the, the xenophobia is at a minimum, you know, those type of things. The homophobia is, you know, at a minimum or, you know, it, just, I know it's not going to be gone. I, I'm not silly, but I'm just trying not to walk out the house and have a headache because I'm, I'm generally clenching my jaw from 8 a.m. to midnight. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's all. I think that's what most people want. I think that's what most people want. But when it, you know, we need to be careful. We need to be careful. Um, anyway, so that's all. I don't have very many comments. I know that we, this was not actually the, the um, podcast that I was planning, but like I said earlier, the guest, I had, had a puppy that got sick. Three o'clock in the morning, I got a text. Um, so I uh, wanted to come in and just talk to you about my, like I said, unpopular vulnerability. I wanted to try to invoke the conversation within yourselves and with others to kind of lean into the idea of when we talk about vulnerability, is it just about our emotional, romantic feelings? It shouldn't be. It should be about just uncertainty of every day, and we should be able to talk to each other about it. Um, we should be able to cry about it at this point, and I don't think that would be something that we can't give some time for. You know what I mean? Um, I'm just suggesting that we do that, that we try to have that um, space for all of us to be in. I think it's time for us to know that, you know, um, the leaders of, of the anti-racism conversations that we're having, the books that are being written, the authors that are out here, you know, the, the actors and actresses that are of, of color who are showing up every single week talking about their experiences, I think we need to see that that isn't a job. It's lived experience. It's a person expressing their existence so that you can learn from it. And that, to me, has got to be respected. And when someone is tired and go, you know what, not this week, that's okay too. Let it happen. Let it happen. Support it. Support the, the emotional um, dedication to other people learning from our lived experience. And that's for everyone who's out here talking it out, right? I want to remind people that Black Girl from Eugene is a space for BIPOC people to say their truth in an authentic way where we don't have to be censored by white, whiteness. So if people come across my podcast and you're uncomfortable listening to my podcast and you're like, well, you know what, it just made me feel uncomfortable, I welcome you to continue to listen. 
This is an opportunity to hear what black people and people of color, allyship that, that has been vetted in to come through, um, have talk about the realities of living in this country, realities of living in the Pacific Northwest as black people, as indigenous people, as people of color. If it makes white people feel uncomfortable when you enter the black girl from Eugene space, then you are probably learning something and I invite you to listen more. If you don't understand the perspective that we're coming from, that's because it's not your lived experience and you can learn from that. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Keep logging in. Go to my Patreon. Check out my weekly videos I do there or my bi-weekly videos I do there. It's just information. It's just a different perspective. It's just a lived experience that you do not have. That's all I'm saying. Um, and for the people of color who want to have a space to say something, who want to, to be able to talk in uncensored manner, come on in. Dot DM me, let's talk about something. It doesn't have to be anything I mean, you hey, you want to talk about your hair? You want to talk about your skin? You want to talk about the the uh, biracial marriage that you're in? That's complicated, or that's super easy, or that never was an issue. You want to talk about being raised by white folks and hor having a beautiful experience or having a horrible experience? This is for this is your space. Black girl from Eugene means something. It's a place to be vulnerable. It's a place to have your honesty outspoken out and be protected by other people of color who want to hear you. White folks listening, this is, this is an opportunity to have a seat and to learn. Okay, so now, Sue, I have to walk away to, sol to solidify myself in this new relationship we are developing. I hope I quoted that correctly. What our own voices say to us once we walk away, Oh, how much I need mindfulness in these moments. Yes, Sue, it is imperative. It's imperative. That self-conversation that we can have in these moments is imperative. The issue is, is that if you're always right, right? My dad always used to say, you can argue with yourself, you're always right. <laughs> That's not how you learn. That's not how you grow. That's not how you are going to get to a space of anti-racism. Absolutely not how you're going to get to a space of of understanding inclusivity, what it really actually means, right? Um, Talisha says, I keep asking myself, who would we be without racism? Isn't that some, that's a big question. I think about that too. Like I, I think somebody was saying that um, they thought that they, they were like looking at my Instagram and they thought that my Instagram was too pro-black and so that I must be anti-white. And I thought about it and I said, oh my God, like this person who was seeing my, my Instagram, first of all, doesn't understand what black nationalism is or what pro-black pro really looks like, you know what I'm saying? Um, or, or just being, or, or self-love, you know, or giving me the self-love uh, um, uh, space, right? But it was threatening, the self-love was threatening. And so because I had self-love and because I had, um, coming from a black perspective, that, that meant that I was anti-white. Um, which, you know, is a whole podcast in itself. And so we'll probably do that another time. But the issue is that I find myself to be um, having to have conversations around the way that I grew up um, with white people and the way that my mind has been um, cultivated with my, my very strong, very intelligent, very worldly black parents. So it's like, um, and then at the same time, having, to, having uh, friends and family that are my family being from cultures that I, that 
our, our lived experiences are different. Languages are different. I have a very rounded way of understanding this hemisphere of the world. I don't understand the uh, European hemisphere of the world. I've never been there. I know, I've read, I, I can read, but I don't believe that intellectualism um, and academia gives you the answers that you need to be whole in, in, in understanding the whole picture. I'm that type of person who I would like to know what do they do when they go to the grocery store? How do you talk to each other? Um, multiculturalism for me is important, which means I'm looking at people. I'm looking at you, and I'm looking at me, and I'm looking at how do we really understand um, and respect each other's space for our lived experience, right? Now, if it's not, it, when it comes to being together and we're trying to, to come up with a space where we can coexist, it doesn't mean that we have to be the same. You know, it doesn't have to be the same ever. I just want to be able to see you be well and you can see me be well. Can I see myself? And right now in 2021, uh, as we're moving through all the stuff that we've been through, you know, look like what, what Talisha just asked. White folks, can you see? Can you see through the privilege? That's a question. What, what am I privileged about? What do they mean by privilege? It's just, oh, I just went to the store and didn't have to be followed. I didn't even notice that. Do I see any black people in this space? Oh, there's two black, excuse me, there's two black families. Are they worried? I'm not worried. Those kind of like critical questions that you have in your head can give you perspective. Black folks, I look, look at ourselves, our self lens, and I look at our, and I go through like my own day and I go and I'm like, do I have, am I clenching my jaw? Did I just laugh a lot so that they would not think that I'm irritated? Like, <laughs> uh, if I'm irritated, do I really think about my perspective of being the angry black woman? Yes, because what we're doing is surviving. What we're doing is coping. And so when I imagine my life without having to cope, without having to survive, without having to fit in so that I can live my life peacefully. It's really hard to imagine because this is what I've been taught since I was a child, is to know how to get through this. So here we are in 2021 going, I'm not going to get through it, you're going to change. And I am going to stand very squarely in my authenticity, meaning that I deserve that time and respect to figure it out. And some of us know that we might have to black it in order to do it. That, like I said to begin with, that does not mean that there is hatred involved. That does not mean that we see the other side and go, it's never going to work. I hate them. Because the truth of it is, is that extremists, you know, I, I talk about it all the time, the mental health and delusion, right? So I'm just saying, unpopular vulnerability. Let's be honest about what we don't know. Let's be honest about where we're coming from. Let's be honest with that white, white supremacy has affected us all and we all have to decon deconstruct it. Every single one of us. And what that means for us is our own journey, right? Vulnerability doesn't necessarily mean you have to spill your guts to everybody, but it does mean that you're opening a space that could be, that you, that you perceive, perceive as, a, as um, maybe a weakness, as you perceive as something that you have to protect and hold. You perceive that, that perhaps your boundaries and that your self-awareness of that space is not as strong. 
so it feels vulnerable. And all I'm saying is that there's, right now, it's okay. And I want to give that to everyone to understand that when we're talking about relationship to whiteness, we're talking about relationship to our white partners, our, our uh, you know, biracial families, or we're talking, we have to be honest about what it means for our own authenticity, our own authentic realization of who we are in this world. And what would it look like? Like you just asked, Alicia, it's beautiful. What would it look like if that wasn't the case, right? It doesn't have to spew hatred. It just has to spew an intense self-love. I invite everyone to it. So we're all tired. We're all tired, right? We're all tired. Anyway, I'm going to cut it at an hour today. Um, and I hope it was reflective for you. I hope it brought up some sort of feeling about how we're going to walk through this world. Um, next week is going to be heavy. You know, we've got, the, I mean, this week coming up is going to be heavy. We got, it's, it's about to come for us, y'all. This, this crack in society, this, this opening up of fear and, and just unleashing of just ridiculousness is coming for us. Um, I hope that we can all find ourselves steady at the end on both feet. And I hope that we can see each other in real time and just be as gentle with yourself and with the reality in which we live in as much as you can. And do not seek perfection. That's what, I, what I'm going to ask myself and I ask of you to ask yourself. Let's not seek perfection. Let's just seek authenticity. All right, you guys. If anyone else doesn't have any other comments to make, I'm going to jump off. Um, Talisha, self-love. Yes, ma'am. Self-lens on. Thank you, Tara. Um, and I just want to give love to everybody who shares my videos. I want to give love to everybody who joins my Patreon. Love to everybody who just jumps on and says hello, says good morning, says, you know, all of you guys. I appreciate you taking the time to, to look and see what I have to say on these Sunday mornings. Um, and the truth of it is, uh, I will be, what is next week? I don't even know what the date is next week. I think I'm going to be coming live from Costa Rica, y'all, which will be amazing. Um, and I will hopefully be at my parents' house and you guys will be able to see them. It's going to be super fun. I know I did not tell my parents they'll be on there, but I think I'm going to have them on here. <laughs> you guys can meet them. It'll be amazing. Um, okay. So not next week. Next week I will be still in Eugene, but the 31st I'll be coming live from Costa Rica and the 7th of February, I'll be coming live from Costa Rica. Um, so I cannot wait to see you guys next week. And until then, check out my website. Um, I still have black hoodies. Uh, they are there and for sale. And um, yeah, that is all from here. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. Try to stay balanced. Drink lots of water. I mean, you know the whole deal. All right. Love you guys. Bye.